when it comes to God and how God moves, how God thinks, it's the art of science. God is the scientist. Everything that he creates, it has an effect. Everything that he shapes and forms is out of his creativity as a creator. And I want you to know that everything that God does is from measurement. Everything that we do is measured because it has to grow. Growth is measurement. Faith is measurement. Increase is measurement. The fruits we bear more, and that's measurement. Counting it all joy, that's a continuance. That's measurement. Moving forward, that's going further. That's measurement. Exceeding, excelling, that's measurement. Promotion, measurement. Progression, measurement. Expansion, measurement. Collaborations, fellowship, measurement. Renewed mind, measurement. Empowerment, measurement. Worship, measured. Thanksgiving, measured. Praise, measured. Walking in the new, Measurement. Miracles, signs, wonders, measurement. New chapter, measurement. New beginnings, measurement. Everything is upon measure. One place to the next place, measurement. Glory to glory, measurement. Allowing faith to work with patience. Measurement. So now that we are aware that all that we do is built upon measurement. Upon this rock I build. That's measurement. So everything we do, it comes up higher. The way we think, measurement. Because our thoughts come up where? Higher. Than they were before. So now that we aware much more of measurement. And how God moves based upon measurement. Now we know where we are. And we're coming up higher than where we are. You are in your measurement. And your measurement. Is your journey. Your purpose, the perfect will of God for you. You are in manifestation. We find God in areas we're not looking for God. We find mysteries and secrets. We find truth and lies. Things are exposed in the hidden things. We grow when we come down. We receive peace when we calm down. 
We become childlike and not childish. Measurement. You are in your manifestation. Do you know that everything you believe in God to do is happening for you right now? See, we have to see and not see. Because when we see the seed that's not to be seen, that's where we pull from. And that becomes a reality to be seen. Everything happens spiritually first. We have eyes to see spiritually around you, what's happening to you, for you, because God so loves you. Same thing goes for hearing, perceiving, and thinking. We cannot see before we see. We cannot have before we have. We have to have his half before we can have a natural half. We cannot have anything natural and then put super on it. It's not natural super. We have to put his super on the natural. That's the supernatural. So we have what we have because we have what he say we have before we see that we have in the natural which we have. You understand? You are where you want to be. You have what you need to have. Everything that you have right now, everything that you see right now, everything that you hear right now, everything that you know right now is preparing you for the next step. And the next step you're taking. 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 And And things falling in place in perfect harmony. Perfect harmony. You are the vision of God. You're not waiting for him to release one. You already been released. It's you. The vision is you. It's I. We have to really see his world. And we have to know what's going on in his world. Do you know it is you? Where you live at right now? What's in your place right now? Who lives with you right now? Where you work right now? Who works beside you right now? The things that you have right now? Even the food that's in your fridge right now? The clothes that's in your closet, in your drawer right now? The bed you lie on, everything that has your name on it, that's the vision. Because that's your measurement. You're coming up higher in all that you do and all that you have. It's going to always get better for you. But we have to know that we are in the better as it gets better. It's not worse and then gets better. It's not least and then gets better in a sense of quantity and not quality. You understand? You have everything in you that's causing you to speak what you need to speak into the atmosphere. And Holy Spirit is your help. 
to help you say what you need to say and think how we ought to think and hear how we ought to hear and know what we ought to know for things to fall in place as we continue to step further measurement. Do you know how many people are very troubled because they want to be somewhere so bad and not even aware they already there? That's like waiting for Christmas on December 25th. It is Christmas. Begging God for snow and people around you making snowmen. Asking God for food, going to the grocery store, going shopping. Asking God for money and still spending. Having it to spend. We're asking God for things that he's already doing right now. And the reason why we're not aware, because we're trying to see before we see. You are already in manifestation regarding everything that God says belong to you. The thing is, we expect it all to happen at once, at one big, in one big bundle. Nothing ever happens like that. Because it's growth. You going from apartment to a house, that's growth. A car to a truck, that's growth. 200 to 2,000, that's growth. It's measurement. Everything about you and I goes through a process. Our money goes through a process. As we go through a process to have wisdom as to what to do with it. Our children go through a process to receive much more in their generation. So I want you to really see yourself, really see yourself in your manifestation. I want you to see it already falling in place for you. Everything you asking God for, everything you're preparing to receive is happening for you right now. Some people are having it evidently present and you're walking for it to fall in place concerning a specific thing. I'm going to use a dog as an example. I'm believing God for a dog. My neighbor just walked her dog in her home that she just purchased. But I'm in manifestation for me to get my dog too. 
but it may not be the same day she got her dog. But we both receiving a dog. Same thing for marriage. I see your proposal. I see your bridal shower. I can see your bachelor party, your bachelorette party. And things falling in place for me to walk and receive fines. But it may not be the same day. I can use a week for an example as well. Yours can be Tuesday. Mine could be the following Sunday. The fact is, I have a day. You have a day. We all have a set day. If we see how things falling in place, we know what season we're in. Because the things that's falling in place, it identifies, it describes what's happening in your life. In what areas? Same goes for mine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Every single one of us has a day. I want you to enjoy your journey in your lane and thank God that your neighbor has their lane. And we all going to stay in our own lane and thank God for what's happening in our lives as we see things fall in perfect harmony. I'm going to give you a fresh revelation. If you notice a person's life is being flooded with blessings, it comes by association. Some people can reap from your prayers, your supplications, your standing firm, your willingness to God, your obedience, the grace on your life, the glory on your life, the favor on your life, because when you're blessed, it blesses other people. And a lot of people be flooded in with blessings due to their hunger as well. If I'm available for God to use me and someone not make themselves available as much, who do you think God has access to, to be seen and heard through? The one who don't want to be used or the one who's hungry to be used? So when we are able for God to use us, it's going to clearly be seen, heard, and demonstrated. And there goes manifestations because of it. If I'm at work and I work a lot of hours, I'm going to have more money on my check than I normally do. If a person I work next to don't want overtime, they're not going to have as many hours as I have. 
Because I put in the what? Work. Some of us putting in work without prayers. Some of us putting in work without praise. Some of us putting in work without faith. Some of us putting in work without only believing. Some of us putting in work with knowing what to say and say what we want to say because we say what we see because we say what God said. Some of us putting in work by knowing God. Some of us putting in work by knowing Christ. Some of us putting in work knowing Holy Spirit. Some of us putting in work by walking in fruit and bearing much more and denying the old man and how it used to be. Some of us putting in work by being humble and not be coming alongside with foolishness anymore. Some of us putting in work on being mature and staying mature and not ever becoming immature again. Some of us putting in work. Mm. You ever thought you were making a mistake by doing something and you realize that mistake was supposed to happen because God is that intentional and you saw what happened. I thought I was running behind leaving out of church yesterday because I kept being stopped. Hey, 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 hey. And one thing I don't want is for one to think, for anyone to think, and I mean anyone to think that I'm too busy for them. I think I'm too important for them. I'm too high and mighty. I'm too, you understand? Because sometimes when we go up in leadership, some people look at us like, okay, so now you at the place where you don't acknowledge me as much because you know, you're very used right now. And it's pretty much, we say things like, you're important to be around me now that you wear, you know, God is taking you. And that don't make any sense for us to even think that way. A lot of things that we've been through or we see others go through, we just have that at the forefront of our mind. Remove that. That's not yours. That's not mine. It doesn't belong to us because we all are important. Some people you have to really nurture. And many of us are like, you know what? You're grown. I'm not babying you. It's not babying them. It's nurturing them. Do you know Ishmael had to receive a lot of nourishment? Because Sarah was not feeling him. Sarah did not really embrace Ishmael. She was jealous of him. She was jealous of Hagar. And you know what? Abraham went to God regarding what Sarah said. I don't want them here. They got to go. He's like, now come on. How are you going to say something like that? Yes, you my wife. But why would my wife say that? All this came because you wanted it. Now you want me to put them out like that? He's still my son. He went to God about it. Guess what God said? Someone wouldn't have thought God would ever say, listen to your wife. She's right. Whoa. She's right to put them out. And you know what God said? Because your promise is found in Isaac and not in Ishmael. And I thank God for every child that's here outside of the promise. Because God is still a promise-keeping God. And everything still work out for our good. Every child here out of marriage. I'm not going to use the word wetlock. I'm going to say marriage. There's still purpose because God saw their end to the beginning. God knew that they would be here before we even came here. The children that we would have outside of marriage. 
And God still bless them, feed them, clothe them, grace them, commune with them, everything. But that very blessing is in the promise. It's only in the one that God created from you, for you. And when I say from, every woman is out of that man, the man, for her. And every seed is a promise from God. You know what's so amazing? God knows when it's time for you to conceive. And that's why it happens the way that it do. When we don't get in our way concerning it. God never attended a married couple to wear protection. He never intended a woman to take birth control. That was handmade, man-made for those who wanted to do it prematurely. I don't want any children. I'm not married yet. I don't want any children. I'm too young. I don't want any children. I'm not ready yet. I just want to have fun in the sex. But I don't want what comes with that. I don't really know you like that. But I know you enough to sleep down, to lie down and sleep around like that. And many of us are married and we're using protection to make sure that we protect ourselves from not having any children that we don't want to have. But God is the one who causes it to happen. He opens it up and he closes it up every time. God is the one for us ladies to have that come every month the way that it does. It wouldn't function without his approval. Even when it comes to a mother who's pregnant and about to nurse, your breasts be filled with that milk every time. It's time for your child to eat. Do you know how amazing that is? God is on top of what he does, how our body functions. And if we don't nurse, it's going to hurt because it becomes too full because you're supposed to feed. God knows when it's time to conceive every child. We don't have to try to stop it ourselves. Do you know how many children are here? Condom babies, birth control babies, because we can't stop him. Somebody think they can stop you. Think they could prescribe something for you? Your prescription is faith. And God's release are his works due to it. No one can stop your wedding day. No one can stop your promotion day. No one can stop your financial increase. No one can stop your acceleration. No one, not even you. You can't stop what's already finished. God 
God never intends for any of us to miss the promises. But they're not forceful. If they were forceful, many of the people that went home prematurely would still be here if it was. Because they didn't finish. Here. But they will finish. At home. You have to have it in your heart. I don't want to finish at home. I want to fulfill here. And see, all that I accomplish here to be released at home and so much more because God is always doing a new thing. God said, go back to the womb. Only I can close your womb. Only I can open your womb. Can't nobody close your womb. Can't nobody open your womb but me. So all that we do to make sure that it don't, is done for nothing. It's done for nothing. Many of us are afraid to ask God to receive an answer that we really want and not even aware because we're afraid. I want to ask God for the cake, but we may say no. And whole time God have that cake in there right for you, just waiting for you to ask. You have not because you ask not. And many of us already know the answer of the things that we know we need to walk out of to walk into, but we don't want to walk out of because we don't want to exit out because we want to keep doing and we don't ask because we already know what he's going to say. So we just be quiet about it. God said, go back to the womb, Jesus. Only I can open it. Only I can close it. There was a woman who had 12 babies at one time. And she only weighed, before she got pregnant, 119 pounds. Do you know how that had to feel to carry 12 babies, 119 pounds? And her husband was right there beside her, helping her with that. Her stomach looked so unreal. Because she was so small and current, all that. And he helped her. It's like he put some of his weight on her to help balance hers out. He helped her become very comfortable. He rubbed every part of her body. They prepared for 12 babies. Everything in sets of 12. Now imagine that for a crib with four arms imagine that for a stroller with only four arms it's just two people that conceived 12 babies at once imagine that when it's time for them to eat there's a grace for that see I can't think about that because that's not what's happening to me As it happened to her, God already equipped her with grace and her husband to go through that and know what to do. They have fresh revelations regarding 12 babies that you and I don't have because we won't have 12 babies at one time. Do you know you are history? There is a history in your life that you going to make history. 
Because only you grace to bring that thing to pass that nobody else can. Nobody can bring that to pass but you. And who you're connected to. One thing I learned about making mistakes regarding other people is that we forgive and move on. But once we act on something, it becomes a testimony. It becomes a testimony whether we like it or not. If I threw myself out there and I said things and done things because I was deceived, that's my testimony. Even when I see the truth of what it is, it's still my testimony because I acted on it. Every form of our action becomes a testimony. That's why we think before we speak and we think before we do anything. Because we're creating our own testimonies due to how we act and react. And God receives glory because through it all, he still brings us out of it. That's his glory. Even though, nevertheless, his glory in the nevertheless. Furthermore, out with the old and with the new. His glory in because of the other man. We were made righteous. His glory is in the answer, the solution. Yeah, you used to do that, but now you don't. But you didn't have to do that. You decided to. So you decide to have that as a testimony. God don't write down our testimonies as if that's what he wants us to do. No, it's written because he already seen that we have done that before we got here. That's our end to the beginning. So next time when you think of things and before we speak about things and demonstrate things, think about your testimony. Do you want that there? Do you want that cheating there? Then don't do it. Because you already know it's not going to go far. Sin always comes with consequences. It never goes far. And there goes regret and God lifting us up. Condemnation, God lifting us up. Guilt, God lifting us up. Being ashamed, God lifting us up. And we weren't thinking about that before we acted and reacted. God said, go back to the womb. Okay, only I can close it and only I can open it, save God. I heard this testimony when I was like 21 years old. There were two, they were in the bed. And I don't know how that happened. But they wasn't intimate that moment. And that was the moment they conceived sleeping side 
to side. He was just holding her from behind. And he testified, I did not enter into her. I just held her from behind. And she got pregnant. It wasn't easy for them at first because he was like, I know my wife wouldn't cheat on me, but I didn't enter into her this time. And they given her conception date. I didn't, that's the night I was holding you. But I know you wouldn't cheat on me. That's not what we do. And I thank God that they didn't, you know, and he believed his wife. But she was like, I don't know. How does this happen? Because God knew it was time for them to. So by him holding her that night, oh, something had to enter into. And I don't mean him per se, something else that can cause that seed to be implanted. The fluid went right inside while he was holding her from behind. And he couldn't get it. Like, wait a second. I didn't, I didn't do nothing to you. You understand? You can lie bear on your mate, behind your mate, touching. And if it's that time, it's that time. God is saying you can't stop him. And why should you want to? You can't stop him. He says, stay right here. You can't stop him. What do you think? What do you think about that? A lot of times we think something wrong with our bodies. There was nothing wrong with Sarah, no, Abraham. They conceived old. Now, you would have thought it was something wrong then, but that's the time when it looked like it was something wrong when they actually conceived. God graced him with enough strength To be intimate with his wife and graced her with enough strength to have a seed be implanted on the inside at her age. When it's time, it's time. There's nothing wrong with your body. There's nothing wrong with your mate's body. 
Every time you and your spouse be intimate, if it's time, it's going to happen. If it's not, then it's not. But we can't get in the way of that. God is saying, get out of the way of that. Many of us are afraid to sleep with our mate the way how we're supposed to because we're afraid of conceiving. But that's not your thought to think. You can't cut off your offspring. Do you know he's a miracle-working God? He can have your husband's body fluid implanted into you without you even wanting to be touched? What can our father not do? What's so amazing is in 66 books, I only heard of twins. I never heard a story, a testimony of triplets, quadruplets, centuplets, templates. <laughs> and further up from there. But it's happening a lot these days. Multiple pregnancies are happening so much these days. It didn't happen like that then. We didn't hear about that much. And if God want to put twins in your belly, he's going to do that. He want to put triplets, he's going to do that. And I'm going to tell you, you can feel it before it happens. What's about to be inside there? For those who are graced to carry multitudes at one time, you can feel it. This is about to be a powerful release because you're about to be implanted with more than one at the same time. It has nothing to do with your count, your level, none of it. Sex drive, any of it. When it's time, it is time. I just think that it's just so significant. When I learned about that in physical education, which I didn't really like because she talked about a lot of bodily things and we were teenagers, the girls, what we go through and the guys, I didn't want the guys to hear about what we go through. They looked at us crazy, like, ew. We like, hmm, <laughs> I don't, we don't know. We can't help it. And even them, we were like, ew, that looks like, that does that, that. We were kids. Why are y'all teaching us? I don't want to see nobody penis, a picture on the wall either, either. And I definitely don't want to see no videos of, you understand, reproduction. I couldn't stand that class. I felt so uncomfortable because she was so blunt with it, but she couldn't be shy. Look, this is life, guys. Women, you're going to have breasts. Guys are like, ooh, you understand? I'm like, oh my God, I don't like this class. I don't like this class. I try to stop my development. I tried to stop my development. It kept happening too fast. I was in the third grade. I'm the only one in class with breasts. And I'm like, oh my God. I don't want to be the only one. So guess what I used to do? 
I never told anybody. I used to take my chest down. Trying to stop my development. And we used to be in line according by height. And I'm short, but when I was younger, I was sprouting fast. So I was one of the tallest ones in the class. Those second graders and third graders were very short. And I wasn't, I was like the, the, like the height I am now <laughs> since third grade. <laughs> it's like I developed fast and then that was it. <laughs> that was it. You're done <laughs> with growth physically. You understand? I hid all of my development. I didn't want no one to know. Things were happening too fast. You don't talk to nobody about your development. Hey, mom, look at this. Oh, hey, dad, look at this. Hey, hey, hey. Who does that? Nobody. Some, hey, I don't know. I wouldn't do that. I didn't do that. (laughs) The significance of when a male's fluid enters into a woman, what that actually looked like, how God created it, how it surrounds her egg like that. Hundreds and thousands at a time trying to penetrate that egg. And if it can't penetrate, it has, what, 72 hours, 48 hours to do that? And if it don't, it just falls and dies right out, just like the egg. If the egg doesn't produce any sperm, it dies. And that's what caused a cycle for a woman. But when the egg is penetrated, the cycle stops because it's been fertilized. But to see that process, to see how they just squirm around that egg like that, like searching to get in. And many can't find a way in. And that's how some have multiple babies because it'd be like four in at one time. I'm in. I'm in too. I'm in too. I'm in too. (laughs) You understand? It has nothing to do with your body, with your eating habit. It's everything to deal with God's will for you and your mate. God says, stay right there. You cannot stop God's conception. We can. We can. We can. God had me to share with some ladies who really felt like Sarah. Go give them a word. Okay? Tell her she's going to have a son. Okay? You're going to have a boy. Uh, Q. I just miscarried a boy. That's the one God telling you about? Nope. There's one coming. I, I mean, hey, if that's what God's saying. Everybody, we're having a boy. Quenisha, yeah, go tell her she's having another one. Hey, you having another one. I believe you because I see the first one. 
Go tell her after she get married, she's going to have a daughter soon. Hey, sister, you're going to have a daughter soon. We've been trying. Thank you for that word, woman of God. And they have a beautiful daughter. God said, Kunisha, go tell that couple at their gender reveal, it's a girl. <laughs> now, why are you going to start something like that? Let them enjoy the gender reveal. <laughs> I'm not saying anything. God said, go. Go bring all girl clothes, girl things at a gender reveal. Go. You know why? Because that's glory. Because that's a prophecy coming into fruition. And they can only come from where? God. He received glory out of me bringing girl clothes to a gender reveal. At a gender reveal, you don't know what it is. That's why it's a gender reveal. Oh, Q using faith. Okay. Oh, what you trying to say? It's a girl. I'm being obedient. Here, congratulations. So the balloon pop. Pink everywhere. Oh my gosh. Thank you for the gift for our daughter. For our daughter. You don't bring gifts for the baby at the gender reveal because you don't know what they're having. That is a celebration, the reveal of the baby. Then goes, and there goes a baby shower. But God had me to bring the baby shower gift at the gender reveal. And they're like, whoa, you did, oh, wow, you did say that all this time. We have a girl. Okay. Thanks for the present. This is our first present. Because no one knew. But God did. And he spoke that to you. See, people have to believe in you in order to believe in the God in you. If I don't believe in you, how can I want to hear anything you have to say to me regarding God? So when God say do things that seem odd, it's glory in it. You better do it. Moses, go to Pharaoh. Go tell him to free my people. I'm not doing that one. <laughs> you understand? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God said, go back to that. He keeps saying, go back to conception. There's a date that God has for every conception. When that lady giving birth to those 12 babies, she showed their process. She showed every step that they've been through on video and when it would show how all of them were moving inside her belly like that I can imagine that 12 babies at once moving around my god and one thing about us who like to sleep on our stomachs you can't sleep on your stomach you have to sleep on your side sometimes your side get tired you know and you don't want to lay on your back And it showed her process and her husband, and he was so supportive. He is so supportive. 
And the thing about it is, all of them had the same thing on. I don't know how they told, you know, could tell, well, of course they could tell their own children apart, but it's going to take some learning. Because he bought them the same thing. They wore, the, they all had on a hat, a shirt, and shorts. <laughs> all boys. Twelve boys. They all were in the high chair, twelve, eating, twelve. And first they show how they were, you know, in a crib. And it wasn't just one crib. It was like maybe three to a crib. And it was big enough. They were swaddled. And it was like, oh my God, look at all these babies. All these came from you? Out of your womb? From God by God. And they were all in the high chair eating. Then they all were walking. I was like, oh my God, y'all have a daycare. <laughs> y'all have a daycare. And that's amazing how God will grace us to do things that has never been done. There are things that you are bringing to pass and your grace to bring to pass what has not been done yet. Some places you have been you're the only one out the culture that has done it. I received a Janice Hill Award in the memory of a woman named Janice Hill. Very prestigious. I was the youngest, the only African-American woman, and the first one in the region to win that. So everybody was telling me, when you give your speech cue, you better do it. But I noticed this. I know people love to cheer us on and love to have us to look great when we do what we do. But we got to be careful of those words and where they're coming from. Because sometimes that could come from a place of, a competitive spirit. You better tear it up. And you're doing it with other people. And they're saying, you better tear up. They want you to be singled out. You representing us. You better tear it up. And thing is, that's putting the attention on you, thinking that you got to do in order to, for you to receive to do and not allow God to use you. It takes the attention off of him and putting it on you or I. When people say things like that. If I'm singing next to someone. Or if I'm cooking with someone. And they say girl you better. It's both our time to shine. You better tear up. Like you, you, hey, you better come. Don't let them do. You better do it. It's like saying don't let them do better than you. You don't want to operate in a place like that. That's a competitive spirit. And many people are not aware of what they do. They just don't know due to a lack of knowledge. God said, go back to the conception. Jesus. It's like the seventh time he said that. You cannot stop him. You cannot stop him. God planted Christ in Mary's belly. She knew no man at the time. 
You're married. How much more? You're intimate. How much more? You think God can do with that? Don't be scared thinking that it's going to happen what you don't want to happen. Because we shouldn't be thinking that we don't want what God do want. And guess what? Many of us are afraid for nothing. That's like saying, God, I don't want to go swimming. I'm scared of drowning. Come on. No, I'm afraid to drown. Step in the water. No. And the water come to your ankles. You don't even go past your ankles. And we're thinking we're going to drown. Worrying for nothing. There is a mark on every seed that be planted in a woman that causes conception that's already in a man. Do you know what that looks like? God showed me beams of light inside of that man. And every beam of light that he has in him that he passes into a woman, that light is going to be that seed planted. So how many lights you have inside, that's how many children you're going to have. God knows which one it is out of all the hundreds and thousands of sperm that a man has. He knows which one. That's like being in a Chuck E. Cheese balls that we used to love getting when we were kids. It's that one ball right there. It's that ball right there. It's that red ball right there. It's that yellow ball right there. It's that blue ball up there. He see your seed in him. Why it's still in him before it's in you. He saw it before the man hit puberty. Hitting puberty and lights being seen clearly of what's coming out of there. We can't feel uncomfortable talking about how God created us. It's uncomfortable when we don't. I have to do part two. God wants to do a part two. He wants to do a series on this. Releasing this in the atmosphere all around the world. I know it's different from the biblical days to now. How the women would just be so hungry to conceive We're not as hungry, but we're still able to. We can't deny God's move. I can't tell you to do anything only God can do. 
what many of us are not giving him the access. Many of us think there's something wrong with our bodies. God knows exactly what he's doing with every single one of us. God wants to talk about conception. That's not something I normally talk about. Because he created that. Do you know that? Listen to Holy Spirit. Do you know that Satan is not after the sex? He's after the climax. He want the climax prematurely. Because he knows how dear it is to God. How, you know, sincere and genuine. How pure and divine. How beautiful that is to God. That's why he created to be so pleasurable. Because he's sharing his divine pleasure of glory due to it. We don't talk about sex in the sense of it's being good because a lot of us doing it while we're acting bad. And when I say bad, wrongfully doing is being done too much that is not talked about at all. And many of us are not being taught the significance of the intimacy. And Satan is after the climax, not the sex. Because spiritually, intimacy is we're praying together. We're imparting to each other. And we're stirring up each other. And we're quickening each other. And we're loyal to each other. And we're committed to each other. And we're loving on each other. We're making, well, we not we can't make love because love is already our creator. Intimacy, spiritually. We're joining. We're connecting. We're vibing. Whatever word you want to say, that's good. For two, that's one. That's the spiritual side of it. My spirit is being intimate with your spirit. My eyes are engaged with your eyes. You only have eyes for each other. My words that I say out of my belly are only for your ears to hear in such a way as a mate. Every touch is only for you. I can hug you, my brother, my sister, but it would never be the same as I hug my husband. You hug your wife. That's a difference. There's a difference in the touch, in the words, in the the sight, everything that you embrace because of the what? Intimacy. And there goes the intimacy emotionally and our mind, will, and emotions regarding our soul. There goes the weaknesses becoming stronger because your weaknesses are my strengths. My strength, your weaknesses. God will not put two weak people the same kind together. 
And I mean spiritually, not naturally. Because both of you could like hog dogs all day. Both of you could not want to exercise all the time. You want to do it? Not today. All right, we cool. <laughs> it's spiritually. He's not going to have two people not wanting to pray. Two people not using faith. There's going to have to be a stronger one in different areas than the other in ministry to help bring them up along the way. And intimacy emotionally, your feelings, your thoughts concerning each other, the love you have. The passion you have, the compassion that you show, the empathy, the sympathy, the modesty, the honesty. And there goes the natural side of it. The natural intimacy. That's the body touching, the kissing, the touching. God created everything to be a way, be the way it is, because that's how He wanted it. We see how we created, and we see others how they created. But He's the one who did it, the way that we are created. Everything you see about you is because that's how He formed it, shaped and molded. I had no idea when I was a young adult that, because until it happened to you, sometimes you don't know, that when a woman is pregnant, I had no idea that when she gives birth to her baby, that her milk fills up according to the baby being hungry. I was like, nah, get out of here. Yeah. Stop playing. Yeah. Oh my gosh, the body knows when your baby is hungry that you already pushed outside the body? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. That's like going to a faucet, turn the water on to get a cup of water when you're thirsty. The baby comes to your chest when it's hungry and it fills up. It fills itself back up again. It reproduces. Same go for the eggs. Same go for the man bodily fluid. It doesn't be one time and no more. It keep reproducing. Every time it exit out, more is coming in. When a woman egg doesn't be fertilized, it dies. That is the sanitation. Nothing dead smells pleasurable. I want to share something with you guys I never shared before. 
I was 16 years old. I was in my books. I wasn't an average teenager that was a fast tail. I was a homebody. I covered up and And some things I will wear that people will say, you know, wear this. This is cute. You wear too many clothes. I will wear a skirt and jeans. A dress and a shirt. Cute. That's too many clothes, man. You have on three outfits. Don't, don't clothes, don't clothe yourself like that. Aren't you hot in there? <laughs> I thought I had on a suit. <laughs> And I start, you know, considering, okay, <laughs> you're right. <laughs> but the thing is, the, the point I'm making is that I was an average teenager who really just loved being a teenager. This 25-year-old man had his eyes on me. I would come home from school. He's watching me. I would go to my after school job, you know, coming from school, you know, putting in three hours part time, just making a little change. For when the ice cream truck comes, I got my own money. <laughs> go to the store, go to the mall, got my own. Mom, I'm good. I have my own. I want to do it myself. Because so many things were handed. I didn't want everything handed anymore. I want to do it myself. And one day, that guy approached me. And I grew up watching all these fairy tales. And they live happily ever after. Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, Muriel, or Little Mermaid. And Beauty and the Beast. The Beast became back a prince again. And they live what? That is Disney's theme. Happily ever after. It's so magical. It's so good to be true. That's what they call it a fairy tale from a fairy godmother. Even when it comes to Peter Pan, there goes a Tinkerbell. Even when it comes to, you understand, Little Mermaid, all the magic is under the sea. Everything is so magical. But all their lives were distressed until the end, where they live happily ever after. And I grew up with that fairy tale thought process in my mind. Happily ever after. Prince Charming, someday as a teenager, as a little girl. And this man kept coming to me about what he could do. I'm 16 years old in high school. I was never a woman to want a man for his things. I have my own. I'm not going to date you for your car. Date you for your wallet. Have my own wallet. I'm getting my own learners to get my own car. 
And this guy kept saying things that any typical young girl would want to hear. And he seduced me. I love you. At first it was hush, hush. Don't tell anybody. Because you know you would have went to jail. It's okay if you, you know, you know you have to give your body. I'll take great care of it. And you. No. That's not what I'm supposed to do. You get, you have sex, you get pregnant. Oh, you'll be very good with that. So would I. I'll marry you. We live happily ever after, my love. I love you. You 16-year-old little girl. But I'm not going to say it to you. And I believed him. I never talk about this because I was embarrassed. We can't be embarrassed when God is our father. I never wanted no one to know but those who did. And I'm okay with sharing that today because it happened to me. So I have, at the time, 13 friends, and I mean best friends. We all hang together, go to the same high school, live in different neighborhoods, one part of D.C., every hood part of D.C., Simple City, one likes the lane. You understand? One over there, you know, everywhere. Somebody in Bury Farm, somebody in... You know, Good Hope Road, it's one on Alabama, one in Uptown, and one Brentwood, one, you know, Mayfair, one, you understand, what's that neighborhood, Blanket Heights, everywhere my mother said was forbidden for me to go, I had a friend who lived there. And they were telling me, no, this guy, because you know when you're young, that's the first thing you start bragging about. That's like a boy being seduced by a grown woman. He telling his boys, hey, guess what? I got a girlfriend. She's a grown woman, man. Stop playing. No, I'm, I'm dating a woman. Stop playing because you're bragging. That don't normally happen. You're like, you know, you're feeling yourself. I was feeling myself. I started telling my girlfriends. They was like, shut up. No, you're not. He's going to pick me up from school. Watch. Pick me up from school. See? Oh my gosh, you have a boyfriend, a, a man. They thought it was the coolest thing. We're kids, we don't know any better, but we know better. And then it start getting dangerous. He starts sitting up at my school while I was in class. Like he had nothing else to do. He's becoming to be obsessed. Then all of a sudden, guys, it's time for freshman pictures. And my friends are telling me, your face is getting fatter. What? Your face is getting fatter. Shut up. No. Your breast is getting bigger. Now, that's just the bra I have on. No. 
Your breast is getting bigger. You may be pregnant. Shut up. We were scared to go buy pregnancy tests. And we were scared to even go to the, you know, the nurse for them to get me one because they didn't want, they didn't want to keep that confidential. And I was like, nah. One night I got up at like 12, 1 in the morning and I fixed a bowl of ice cream. And I knew right there, I am having a baby because that is definitely a symptom. My breast is getting big. My face is getting fat. My nose is spreading. Oh my God. I tell the guy, he's excited. I try to keep my life as normal as possible. When you're having a multiple pregnancy, the symptoms come very early and very strong because it's more than one baby. There were two. So I wanted to be normal with my life with my girlfriends. So I lied to them. Oh, guess what, guys? I'm not pregnant. I got my cycle. But I lied to them. Oh, good, girl. Yes. Oh, so happy for you. Yeah, leave that guy alone. You don't want that. No, we're kids. We're going to just live our lives. I was pregnant with twins at 16. And my mom never said anything because she didn't know what to say to me. Because... It was a shocker because I never lived like that. I was the one that go home, be in my books, go to work and, you know, do things that teens do, not grownups do. She didn't know how to address it to me. And she was very disappointed. But I didn't know till after the fact. I didn't know she knew all along. She said, I heard you when you went to go get that ice cream. When I saw that bowl of ice cream in the sink that morning, you should have washed out. I knew you were pregnant. My daughter don't eat ice cream at two in the morning. And there's nothing more disappointing than a mother to see that her child is about to become a parent at a child's age. No, not for you. No. And many parents been through that. They don't want their kids to go through that, but that's not my mother's story. She just didn't want that. No. I didn't teach you that. 
I went to college. I married your father out of high school. I want best for you. Who is this person? A grown man? A grown man? Touch my daughter? He said he loves me. Love you. Love you. <laughs> so, my appetite was changing. I didn't know a multiple pregnancy. Your symptoms are very, you know, early detected. It's like when you're hungry, when you're pregnant with one, with two, it's much more. You know, your breasts get tender with one, it's much more with two. Everything is much more when it's multiple. And I'll never get that freshman picture. I was like, oh God, you do look like you're pregnant. And I try to make it my life normal as possible. So I was in PE playing football, basketball, volleyball. I was being very physical, jumping around to pretend and just that it never happened. And then one day I saw these huge blood clocks in the toilet. I got scared. I didn't tell my mom. I didn't tell anybody. Two weeks later, after that, I felt like I was about to pass out. And my side was hurting for two weeks, but I didn't tell anybody. But it got worse to the point I was about to pass out. And thank God we were like two blocks from a hospital near my high school. And my girlfriends were like, you know what? You're going to the emergency room right now. And we're calling your mother. I don't care. You be mad at us. We don't know what's going on with you. you. We don't know. And we're scared. We were only freshmen. They were like, we're scared. We don't know. Something could be really wrong with you. We have to tell your mother. Go to the hospital now. Go. We'll, some of us will wait with you. Some of us will go, you know, sign in our homeroom and then leave. As long as we get marked in for the day. And a doctor told me, if you did not come, Within a day, you will be dead. Because you have dead fetuses on the inside of you. And it's causing your insides to become rotten. So it's rottening your insides because you have corpse inside of you. Did you not know you were miscarried? I have blood clocks. Why didn't you tell anyone? I was scared. Well, were you scared to have sex? No. Okay, then. Your life is important. And them doctors would let me have it. Don't you ever be scared to get yourself some help that you need. Think about these things before you do these things, young lady. And my mom rushed up there. And the guy rushed up there. I can imagine what the doctors were thinking like, 
You're going to be ashamed of yourself, dude. You're a grown man. This is a, this is a teenager. But I beg my mother not to press charges. He said he loved me. Love you? I almost died. They had to rush me to get a DNC. They had to scrape me. They had to scrape me and vacuum me immediately. The fetuses, they weren't even embryos yet, and they were rotten. They were rotten. They were dead for days inside. And my body was rotting on the inside of my stomach. Because what's dead inside, it's going to, you know, it's going to spread. And they caught it in time. God had me to have that conversation and feel faint right near the hospital. Because he knew I had to go. Now, if I was in school in class with that pain, I probably would have tried to hold it off a little longer. It wouldn't be here today. But God. And you know what caused me to have a miscarry? It wasn't just me trying to be normal and play, you know, sports in school. I was stressed because somebody else was carrying his baby too. And I found out she go to my school. You too? No, he said he really loves me. That's what he said to me. And guess what? We were neighbors. I would see him go in her building. And then he'd come and go in my building. I used to be so angry. And my girlfriends, they'd be mad at her. No, it's not her fault. I had one girlfriend who threw a drink on her. No, don't do that. It's not her fault. They were being mean to her, and even I was in the cafeteria. And I had to realize, it's not you. I'm not mad at you. Then she got pregnant again, and again, and again. And she had four children by that man. And I thank God for sparing me. I don't wish no abortion or miscarriage on anyone. But if it's not what God wants, it's not going to be. You think something that's going to happen that God didn't want? And I mean that he has control over? If God wanted me to have those children, I would have. Can't no miscarriage stop out God for keeping those babies? Can't no abortion either.
everything is not to be discussed because everybody can't hear what you have to say. Like many don't agree with my divorce. And I mean, people in ministry, other places, they don't believe in divorce until they go through what I've been through by being deceived. See? God has mercy regarding our sin. And God knew that's not the life he had for me. To have twins by that, that grown man who had somebody else pregnant while I was. And then, you know, word travels. I was out of school healing up. You know, they were sending me cards, my classmates to school, my teachers. And I was so embarrassed to go back because everybody knew I had sex with a grown man who said he loved me. And they, they knew that I thought it was, you know, a dream come true. It's so magical. And they were looking at me like, yeah, he got you. It's okay. It's okay. I went to school. They were so nice to me. Even those who didn't really talk to me were talking. Like, it's okay. And then the girl that was carrying his baby saw that I lost my two. That man had me doing things that I never would have ever done because I thought he loved me. For my mother to leave work and be rushed to a hospital because they told her her daughter could have died. Died for what? She has dead babies inside. Why? So it is true what I was thinking. She knew I kept using the bathroom every five minutes at night. My eating was changing. I would hide food. I didn't want her to know. I would eat mostly at night. I have food under my pillow. He would knock on my window at night and I would talk to him from the window. You're going to be with me, right? Yes, I'm not going anywhere. Whole time he's going to somebody else's window. And my friends were like, I'm glad that it's over with you and that guy. You learned. And we're glad we told you to go to the hospital and we're glad we called your mother. We don't care if you're mad at us or not. I felt very down. I felt like I missed the pregnancy. I missed, you know, the symptoms because I was, you know, you become very, you know, in tune what's happening to your body. And you're getting used to the change. And I got used to that change and it wasn't there anymore. My breast went back down. <laughs> my nose went back. My face went back down. My weight went back down immediately. My appetite went back down. Everything went back to how I'd normally be. And I was kind of missing how it was becoming. I thought about all the things that I had to go through. They had to hurt and rush me. Gave me anesthesia quick. It was like, you could have died, young lady. Do you know how frightened my mom had to be? 
That's why many of our parents feel like my job is not worth my kids. We're working too much to take care of our kids, and we're not taking care of our kids for real. We're taking care of bills, not our kids. TV taking care of our kids. Double Dutch, Hopscotch, out and about taking care of our kids. Block parties taking care of our kids. And I'm telling you, God says so many of you that he's going to have to listen to this episode is for you not to end up like that or to feel like you're not alone regarding it. Many of you can relate to this. God is saying to me, ladies and gentlemen, because many of you gentlemen are listening probably were that grown man that went to a young girl and P-R-E-Y praying on her. You understand? My sister was so disappointed in me. We always slept in the same room, bed side by side, talk about everything. And I never told, I never told. She found out by me almost dying. You were pregnant. You were sleeping around. You didn't tell me. My sisters, don't keep that from me. I could have helped you. Are you not alone? I would have told you, let that joker go. He don't love you. I love you. But you don't need that. Thank God for my sister. I grew up always wanting to be like my sister. My sister this, my sister that. And she used to walk me to class. And I used to want to say so much, don't leave me. I want to go with you. But she's a tough cookie. She's not affectionate like me. She'd be like, no, you crying? (laughs) I know you're not crying. (laughs) No. And you know she's still doing that? She said something to me I didn't know. That she felt that way. I didn't never knew she felt like that. And I started crying. You don't, you, mm-mm, no, no. And this guy was like amazed by it. Like, look at her staring her sister up like that. No, no, no tears. No tears. No, no, it better fall. It better fall. I was like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. And... I'll never forget how that pain felt. I felt my stomach rottening inside, but I didn't know it was actually rottening inside. 
Now imagine eating and all that stuff and your food digesting why your stomach is rottening. You have two dead fetuses inside of you. The pain got so bad, I couldn't, I couldn't go to school that day. I was about to pass out. I said, I have to, I have to go to the hospital. Yeah. And thank God for the friends I have. My teachers were very supportive. Welcome back, Miss Hood. Thank you for completing your assignments at home. They were looking like, it's okay. It happens. You learn. I felt like I got my life back. But I never talk about that because I felt like, what is there to talk about? A lot of us have things to testify that we really don't want to testify. I can testify this, but I won't testify that. And guess what? That testimony is the one that God's received a lot of glory out of. That's why the enemy tried to shut you up. <clears throat> Do you know how amazing it is for someone to be healed and delivered from pornography? But no one wants to talk about that. The ones who've been delivered. <laughs> That's why we don't hear about it. Well, the thing is, it's not what you say, it's how you say it. Thank God for delivering me from lust. You understand? Period. You don't have to be detailed if you're not comfortable. But I don't want you to be uncomfortable because God was so ready to bring you out of it during that time. And he's always ready to prepare a way of an escape for us that he already seen. If God doesn't want it, it's not going to be. And God didn't want that for me. My sister was very disappointed in me. Like, what? Miss Goody Two Shoes? <laughs> you felt for that? I was like, oh God. Things started slacking. My work started slacking in school because I was hanging with that guy who I thought loved me. And when I ran into that guy, when I was like 23, he said, I want to say to you, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for hurting you. I'm sorry for putting you through all of that. I am so sorry. Do you know how bad I felt in that hospital when they strolled you away like that? I am so sorry. I felt so bad. And he was crying. I haven't seen that man since I was 16. I'm 23. Hey, I've been waiting to see you. I've been waiting. To, I couldn't wait for this day. God. <laughs> he had to live with that. 
He was praying to God. I have to see her. I have to apologize. I have to ask her to forgive me. Hey, I was waiting for this day, girl. How you been? And I'm looking like, oh, I'm fine. I don't forget what happened. But I wasn't like that. No, I was just like, hey. I was waiting for this day. I want to say I'm so sorry for what I've done. I'm so sorry for hurting you. You had to go through all that surgery. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I never meant to hurt you. I never meant to hurt you. I said, you're forgiven. I'm sorry for anything that I've done. That's all he wanted to say. Is that he was sorry. Forgive him. He wanted to release himself. He'd been waiting all that time to be released. By hearing me accept his apology. And I thank God for everything. I thank God for everything. I truly mean everything. I share what no one really knows. But my mother, my sister, my aunt, who my mother talked to about everything. A mother always got a sibling that she tell everything to. Are you telling that? Tell our business again? I want to know. Girl, be quiet. So yeah, girl. <laughs> yeah, this, 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 this. Oh God, she know more about my life than I do. That's how I felt. And the guy and his family. Until today. God. said to me you're not going to have any children until you get married and when my son was born I had to cry out to God please don't take him because his heart rate kept going to zero over six times. It was like, this child keeps dying. And I felt God's words coming into fruition. You're not going to have no kid until you're married, Quenisha. You're not. And I yelled at God, God! 
take my son away from me. I know what you said. But please spare me. Don't take my son away. I've been through enough already. Ooh, God want me to testify. Okay, God. I never thought I was going to testify this. Oh, God. Oh, God. I had one miscarriage. I was six weeks pregnant. At 16, the next pregnancy, that child passed away from SIDS, and he was six weeks old after the birth. I had a daughter. I given birth to, she was too small, she didn't make it. And I was six months pregnant. And that's how God spared my son, David. Because I put all the three pregnancies together. And they all was triple six. The first miscarriage, I was six weeks. The second pregnancy... The child was six weeks out the womb. The third pregnancy, I was six months. David is the fourth one. And I put three together and I never told anybody, whoa, that's a curse. Because God said, my whole life, he always been like that with me. Like Samuel, Elijah, Moses, Noah. And he told me as a girl, because I always read about the men. But I'm a girl. And that's why a lot of people didn't, you know, consider, but they couldn't help but to admit, you're like them, but you're a girl. It was men that were prophets biblically. You're a girl. You're a girl prophet like them. We see him on you like them. And God said to me, you're not having no kids until you get married. Final. And when my, I said, oh my God, that's the curse. And every guy was older. Satan knew what to do. And I allowed him to. And when my son was born, I was in a car wreck. His heart rate dropped like six times in like three weeks. 
and he had to get like five blood transfusions, seven surgeries, and and I felt God taking him too. And that's why I yelled at God, God, don't take this one, please. I don't want no one to think I'm cursed. I put all the other pregnancies together. It is all triple six. That was Satan's doing because he heard your words to me not to have no kids till I get married. Don't take this one. Spare me this one. And I yelled and I yelled and my son heart rate it went from zero then the numbers started going up. Then the numbers went up, guys. See, my story blessed a lot of teenagers, women, and men. And don't think you alone with your testimony. There are millions who can relate to a miscarriage, an abortion. You understand? I never had that. But there are many who had a grace to go through that. Our father is very compassionate. He's very merciful. He's not going to say, go get it. But he cannot force you to stop you from doing it. To all those who have. And he still bless you and multiply you and favor you. Due to it. Because nothing we could ever do to cause him to hate, be upset. Walk away from us. God's words to me was never get a divorce. It was out with the old and with the new. And I knew what I had to do. See, what you have to do is what God have you to do. Everything is that to tell everybody. And sometimes God will have us to testify when it's over, said, and done with. Because people could get in your ear, in your way, thinking that they're helping, but they're really not. Many are still in a marriage because people say you should be. When God is clearly saying you're not. It happens. People move in the wrong directions. Just because many of us don't have the children as evidence or miscarriages as miscarriages as evidence, abortions as evidence, doesn't mean that you weren't out there having sex before you got married. Come on. Even in your mind. By wanting to engage. Watching it on TV. And enjoying the feeling that lust brings. Many have not been divorced, but many have been with the wrong person. 
Many have not masturbated, but many have watched pornography. Many have not cursed, but many were listening to the curse words. In other words, no one can afford to talk about no one. And I, guys, I'm telling you, God spared them because I begged them. Because God was about to take my son David too. My son, father, was very broken by the miscarriages. He was broken by them. And I thank God he healed him from that. Because there was a little girl before my son David was here. And you're six months pregnant. Oh, you already, I don't already had the baby shower. I did. So the next time around when I was pregnant with David, they were like, we're going to wait till you're further along. <laughs> because we don't know what God is doing with you. And many were confessing. You know, he has his hand on you. You cannot do certain things. Matter of fact, you can't do nothing like no one's supposed to outside his will. And you know his hand on you heavy. A lot of things that people could normally do, you can't. So stop trying. I make a go to a dance lounge, but God won't have you to do that. I make a watch this movie, you can't. I make a drink wine, Q, you don't. You can't. You're going to get the same reaction, the same experience every time you do. When are you going to get it? Because sometimes we feel we want a baby to take care and love what we feel like we didn't have, but not even aware we had all along. Do you know it takes out input for the out the outcome? Even if I'm a child and my parents say something that I was upset about or I don't want to do, but it takes me to honor my parent and get it done. So I'm in a room mad about what? Because my mom is trying to discipline me? I'm mad I got spanked because I did what I wasn't supposed to do? I realized that God really kept my son, favored my son, blessed my son. 
I thank him for keeping and sparing him and blessing him and favoring him like that. Because he was taking him. He was letting me know at the hospital, I'm taking him. No, please spare me, God. I said, you must be married first. And God don't say things like that to everybody. Even though he's for all of us. How God talks and communes to us is according to our purpose. I thank God I'm in a new covenant because I did a lot of things like the old prophets have. I disobeyed. I was like Moses. I said, speak to the rock. I said, wait to get married to have children. You stroke it. You were stroking. Before it was time to stroke. I could have had you not enter in. But I'm satisfied because of the blood. Thank God for the blood. Hallelujah. I wasn't in many relationships in my life. A lot of things i done just to try to be normal like the world. I wanted to be like the world. I thought God's side was boring. I thought God's side had too many restrictions. I didn't want to sit in church all day. Especially go on Saturdays and miss cartoons on TV as a kid. I was like, I don't have a normal life. They get to go this place. They get to wear pants. This is a series. They get to wear pants. I can't wear pants. They get to eat grape flavor things. I can't eat grape flavor because in the Jewish culture, the tradition we were under, seven-day holiness, grapes come from wine. And the Bible said, women should not wear nothing pertaining to a man. That's what was said to me. And I was always the one with a question like, how do you know that a man were the first to wear pants? Because man wore kilts and garments back then. But I wouldn't have got beaten. We had to keep our heads covered, especially when we prayed and when we on our way to church. And we prayed like every three hours. We fasted all the time. As kids, I'll never forget, nothing was nothing was good about my experience in my childhood growing up in the Jewish culture because it was religious. And I'm not speaking about the religion, but I'm speaking about me as a child, as a teenager, how I perceived it. I was always told we can't do what seemed to be fun. I can't eat seafood, shellfish. No, can't eat no scavengers. Read Leviticus. That's your life. No pork, nothing. No swine. I like bacon. No. So we couldn't eat McDonald's. What y'all 
don't want to go to McDonald's because the sesame seeds on the buns, you know, sesame seeds, you know, back then were crushed up pig bones. I don't know what they are today. So we couldn't eat it. Everything we ate, we had to read the labels. We had to bring our lunch to school. So instead of having a peanut butter and jelly, the jelly wasn't great. Couldn't have nothing great. So I had peanut butter and apple jelly or peanut butter and orange jelly. You understand? Or strawberry jelly. Hallelujah. We couldn't wear anything but diamond stubs or pearls. Only clear polish, chapstick, no lip gloss. Of course, no makeup, nothing artificial. Nothing artificial. No nails, no extended nothing. No pants, no open toe shoes. No elbows showing. The shirts had to come. Pretty much they prefer long sleeve. We wore white a lot. Had to wear stockings a lot. And we couldn't do much with other children. People that wasn't in our religion were considered as those of the world. So there was a major separation. But I always had a relationship with God. I'm going to turn the music off. It's going in and out. The reception is starting to become poor. And I always knew there was a difference, something wrong with that. But when you're a child... You have to abide by people rules, even though you don't agree. And I felt like it was so much fun on the other side. We were fast for the whole day until sundown and then give us this huge plate to eat. So you're rushing because you're starving. And then you go to bed with cramps in your stomach because you have a huge weight of food just sitting there that you just ate so heavy so fast. Your stomach cramping up. And then you wash up and go to bed. I was like, I don't like this. I want to be normal. So we just sit around and talk about all the things of the world we want to do. Just so we can feel like we're cool. That's why I was so big on being cool as a kid. Because the world way seemed so cool compared to what we were living like. But I thank God, even though it was traditional, it was still scriptures being quoted, fasting as a sacrifice unto God, 
and God receive all of that labor of love. And a lot of the grace on my life is because of my upbringing. Because God searches the heart. And I used to walk around like, I want to be like them, God. They're having fun over there. Look over here. It looks boring. It feels boring because no one talked about the fun side of God. Because no one around me at the time probably encountered that side of God. And at that age, you have to shut your mouth and don't say nothing back. But I thank God for all of the the times in the house of God. We spend more time in church than at home. Sometimes we spend the night at church tarrying for Christ. And I was like, what are we tarrying for? He's already here. It was like we really brought Leviticus back to life. But we were in a new covenant. And we used to sneak and wear pants to school. Tell our girlfriends, bring us some pants. We want to wear pants. We're going to eat some crabs. Shh. And I thank God that my mom, she married into the religion. And I thank God that my mom, you know, when my dad was incarcerated when I was young, she would try to consider us having a normal child life. Okay, we're going to do Christmas, guys. We definitely couldn't do Christmas. That's out of the Jewish culture. New Year's is not even in January in the Jewish culture. <laughs> and she um, was like, we're going to do Christmas. Okay, okay, okay. Don't tell anybody. Okay, okay, okay. You can wear some pants. Don't say anything. Okay. And sometimes she would get caught with us wearing pants. It would get back to my dad. They did Christmas. My daughters did Christmas. You know, and they have to live a normal life. Let them enjoy life. I want my children to have fun too. I thank God for my mom. Even though our parents made mistakes like we do as parents, and we will as parents, I really enjoy back in the day, and I'm talking about back in like I'm now, I'm back in the day in the 80s. I'm a mid-80s baby. And I remember how Christmas was for me. Going to the mall, sitting on Santa's lap, watching. She made sure we watch every Christmas cartoon every year. Frosty, Rudolph. We would sneak and do those things. Thanks, Mom. Halloween, I'm going to get y'all a costume. Okay. I'm going to bake some pumpkin seeds and you're going to watch, not no scary movies, but you're going to watch some movies. Okay. And I appreciated that. I appreciated that. I appreciated that. 
I used to be so proud of my mom. One day she popped up in my class. Look at my mom, the most beautiful mom in the world. <laughs> Everybody, this is my mom. I'll never forget second grade. But I was ashamed of my father's side, the Jewish side, because they would come dressed like Jews, mantles and all these things, Bibles. And then I realized, why am I ashamed of my family? I used, to be, I used to not tell them when I had special functions. And then I realized my family would love to be here. And I realized I hurt their feelings when they found that I had a function. I didn't tell them. And they knew why. I was embarrassed. And their feelings were very hurt. And I was like, I'm sorry. It's just that I didn't want no one to tease me. Do you care? Yes, I do. <laughs> I care about being teased. <laughs> yeah. I told them the truth. I do care. Yeah. I care about being joned on, but I never was joned on. I never was joned on. No one never really had a reason to joan. But people just saw us as different. That's like going to school with Muslims and they went, the women went all this, you know, the big covering. You just, you know, you, you know, they, they're, they live different. You don't treat them no different. They just knew we were Jews. They didn't treat us no different. You know, and... I just thank God for, you know, me receiving, you know, a breakthrough with that with my family. And they start coming. And I was so proud. Like, this is my grandfather. This is my grandmother. And you know, they love to support me. They love that. Loved that. And I just thank God for everything. I had a very good upbringing. And my upbringing was in the house of God. <laughs> and I mean, like five days a week and like 10 hours a day. Um, so longer than that sometimes. And I thank God for that. But I didn't like to feel isolated from the world. Like I was, we were separated from the world. And I wanted to see what was out there. Like, let me see what's out there. God, can I see what's out there? Wow. It's like this out there. I want to be a part of this. Oh, I want to look like that. Oh, I want to dress like that. Wow. That's a whole nother world. I want to eat that. I want to drink that. Every time we had something that was great, we had to throw it away. Sometimes I would sneak and eat the great ones. <laughs> yeah. We snuck and done a lot of things, especially doing a fast look here. How are we going to pack food for the hungry? And I'm hungry. So I took a box of Teddy Grants. <laughs> I took them to the bathroom. <laughs> I opened up that box real quick and I tore them Teddy Grants up. But I closed it up and I put them in a bag. And I was like, oh, God, whoever homeless person going to receive this open box. Father, please forgive me. Please forgive me. I'm telling you. I'm serious. I broke a lot of tradition. I ate crabs. I wore pants. I was unclean around people. My God, don't tell nobody that. You were what? You touched me unclean. Oh God, you came in the house unclean. I sure did. I'm still breathing. They probably thought I was going to drop dead. Jeez. Oh God, like... 
You're unclean in here? <laughs> yeah. I'm still breathing. <laughs> hey, that was 20 years ago. God. <laughs> but seriously, I just thank God for the Bible. You have to really have it to be a love letter to you. Christ wasn't mentioned to just say, oh, he was being rebellious for the tradition in his own culture. And not culture, but his own religion. He's a He was a Jew. You think he broke his Jewish laws just because he wanted to? No, he did that to teach us that love, there are no laws. There are no traditions with love. There are no restrictions with love. On the Sabbath, we couldn't touch money. So if I walk past somebody who's really hungry, I can't touch any money to bless them. And that's what Christ was saying. You can't do any labor. Six days do thou labor and do all thy work. But the seven days of Sabbath, the Lord thy God, in it, thou shalt not do any work. Thou and thy son and thy daughter, they master and they master and they ask and they ask or anything within our, in our neighbor, all of that. The whole thing. Come on now. You know the commandments. My God. And we couldn't do anything on the Sabbath. But that seemed like that's what most things needed to be done. And it was God showing us that, you know, there are no restrictions in love. That's why Christ gathered food on the Sabbath. Christ healed on the Sabbath. You mean to tell me you can't release a miracle on the Sabbath? And yet, you sitting here mistreating people on the Sabbath? That's what Christ was pretty much saying. You don't even walk in love. How are you going to tell me about what I'm doing? And I'm doing an act of love on the Sabbath. You understand? So I grew up very restricted. And I wanted to be like the world. So that's one thing that I learned that I would never do with my children. Is hide them from the world. Not explain to them why we do the things that we do. What does it mean to be a Christian? What does it mean for my son to understand what it means to be born again? What does that mean for you? What does that look like for you? That you understand. And be okay with it. Because many of us not teaching our children and they're not okay with it. They just falling along what we say because I said so, okay? That's your explanation. And it's not that. They need more than that. That's why many of our children sneak around. I just seen a little girl today. She was, what, probably 95 pounds. Now she's like 198 in a matter of two weeks. And Holy Spirit said to me, her mother put her on birth control. She's on birth control. And a little girl see how big she's gotten because of it. You understand? So it's not about that. It's about talking to your daughter, the importance of saving yourself. You are so worth it. Matter of fact, let me take you out on a date. Let me do things with you. That's what I did with my son. Since he was born, I took him out on dates. <laughs> it been just me and him. And I loved it. He loved it. I did everything with my kid. I thank God for restoring everything that was stolen back. You know? Some things I never planned on telling the man that I'm going to marry. Because somehow I thought if he heard about the things I've been through, 
maybe he wouldn't want to be with me anymore. And God said that can never happen to anyone with a me because you're created to be. It's not by your choice. It's by you knowing you've been chosen. I was so afraid that if I do something he don't like, what if he stopped loving me? I was scared. I was scared. And God would have me to confess to him the mistakes I did make. And guess what? Still loves me. Because it's written down. But we have free will to make our own decisions. And I thought maybe he would not want to be with me. Wanting to be with me anymore. And God said he want what I want. That would never change for him. And I was like he's so perfect compared to me. I know I'm uniquely made. But I made a lot of terrible mistakes that he probably would never have made. And God said, that's why that's your help. He's not becoming your help. He's been your help. The very air that he breathed ever since that he was written, ever since he was written, excuse me, has been your help. I feel like when I connect back with him, it's like two twins who've been away for a long time come back together again and reunite and be together all the time. And when you're not even together, you are together. It's as if you're not even apart. And I thank God that he's comfortable with my love for him. That is the same how he have for me. That he's comfortable with expressing himself because he hear me do that all the time. So he understands because he feel what I'm saying. I'm describing what he's feeling because I feel it. So he know what I'm encountering because I'm describing what he's feeling. And he feels relieved that I would never take advantage of the love that I have also for him. You don't think about someone cheating when you're in the will of God. That's not even on your mind. There's no exception. It's not a thought. It's not even a, that's not even a thought. You don't think about him taking advantage of you or her taking advantage. It's not a thought. The only thing that I have to continue to work on is to know that I'm okay this way until he comes again. Because sometimes I feel like I cannot go any further emotionally without him. 
It's my soul. My body is under total submission. My spirit is aware of my identity. My soul, my mind, will, and emotions of me being away from him. I have to stir myself up while I'm away. Because sometimes I feel like I can't take being away from him anymore. It's like I'm in a kingdom with him and I'm on one side and he's on the other side. No, where are you? Don't be away from me, please. I need you. And I cannot need him from a place of him comforting me. Because he's not my comforter. I cannot feel that he makes my life better. Neither can he with me. Neither you with your me. Because we are better together. God has shown me an emerald. An emerald. Thank you guys for praying for me. This is what love feels like for someone. This is what patience feels like when you're in love to have this perfect one. Sometimes I don't want to do anything but be around him. I was embarrassed to share the testimonies of what I've been through, like many of us are. I tell this, but I'm not telling that. I don't want to look at me different. Those are the testimonies that God received the most glory out of your life. And watch what happened due to it. Every time I testify what I don't want to testify, the ratings go sky high. I don't want to keep lying in my bed without him beside me and feel like I'm missing him too much. I'm missing what I'm already aware that was there in the, before, in the beginning. Adam was never away from Eve, but he wasn't in a conversation with Satan and Eve, but he was right there in the midst. So you can imagine Eve wasn't speaking to Satan verbally. He was talking to her mind to get her to change it. And when our mind is changed, our body goes alongside. Our mind controls our, our emotions. He came for her soul. When God say renew your mind, that's renewing your soul. Our souls are saved because our spirits are born again. Because 
if it was our souls that caused us to be saved, then we wouldn't have been disconnected from God because he said, those who worship me must worship me in spirit and in truth. So our spirits were disconnected because of the sin, not our souls. Our flesh caused our spirits to be disconnected and it had to connect back due to the blood. So being born again is our spirits being new, being saved and out with the old. And now that our minds are renewed, see, our soul has to be renewed daily so our spirits can continue to overrule. That's why when we're not in the Word as much, we start going back to some of the things that we don't normally do because we're not continually being fed. We have to feed our soul or our soul will try to feed us. It's created to pull from either or, flesh or spirit, but it's up to us to allow the spirit to overrule. Many flesh are overruling. Hallelujah. And that's why we have to snatch people out of the enemy's hand. Many of us say he saved my soul. Our souls are renewed because our spirits have been saved, not the soul. It's not the soul that God is after. It's the spirit. He would have said, those who worship me must worship me in soul and in truth. He said spirit and in truth. Because he's spirit. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Excuse me. I tried to stop it before I sneezed. <laughs> told you guys a lot about me today. How I almost died. How the devil tried to put a curse on me regarding God's covenant. He has a covenant with all of us. God say an oath. Mm, the covenant is his oath. The covenant is what you, do you want to know what a covenant is? It's an agreement. Due to what you believe, he promised you. His oath is his promises. That means you believe in the oath. You believe that they have to. I just got that. Some things I used to do and make mistakes and be like, God, are you still going to give this to me because I made a mistake? God is saying the oath, Quenisha, the oath. I don't take back what I've given you. I don't ever. That's why it's so important to be a living witness. And to witness my truth. So many lies being told on me, Quenisha. I don't give and take away. What's yours always is. It's yours. Many of you decide to go elsewhere other than what belongs to you, but it's yours. The house I've given you, yours. Every home, yours. Every location, wherever God send us, ours. Our spouse, ours. And I thank God that I have a man that wants what he wants. I'm so glad. 
so glad. That means your will, God, I want. I never had a man who had a relationship with God and walking in the truth, not just praying to God and knowing knowing about God. No, knowing God. He knows God. You have to know God to hear from him and believe what you're hearing and stand on it. He stood on what God was saying about me when I didn't know about me. I'm a living witness that I'm one out of many who can say that I have learned from my mistake. If you ever heard it someone intentionally or unintentionally, I want you to really <coughs> allow God to see you through that like he did me. Because I really felt bad for what I've caused. I'm not a person that, there are many who don't care. Oh, whatever. Oh, try to blame the person for what they done to them. If you would have did this, I would have done that. No, it was, what did I do? Oh, no. I'm sorry. Ooh, I just see an angel in my closet. Okay, I get it. <laughs> the angel saying, don't forget about this closet. Okay. After I do my homework, which is due Friday, I'm going to do it tomorrow. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do the closet. Yes, I will. Yes. I have so many new things that was bought for me and given to me on my birthday that I have to really add in the closet. Yeah. Thank you, God. I thank you guys for listening to this series today. We all have a testimony. I noticed when I testify, people feel more open to because they see the significance of it. Like, oh, it's not so bad. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I thank you guys for listening. Thank you. God say finish it up. Go the whole hour. Put the music back on. Okay. My little brother, when he found out that I had gotten pregnant at 16, he felt sorry for me. Especially when the baby didn't, the babies didn't survive. He didn't know what to say to me. He was like, I can um, fix you something to eat. I can make up your bed for you. The sweetest thing ever. 
I want you to think about your siblings. Oof. Okay. After this series. Okay. Okay. All right. I love you guys. This is it on this one. Okay, God. Not an hour. I thought you said an hour. An hour the next one. Okay. All right. I love you guys. Thank you for being a part of this today.